Hey guys, I'm Dan Brent. I'm Robbie Carmen, And I'm Patrick Inhofer. And welcome back to a very special edition of From the Mailbag because we all just sat down and watched the Apple presentation on their new hardware, which was pretty much restricted to the MacBook Pro. And we figured we'd do some quick lightning reaction as to what we saw. We figured that Amongst our members, we've got some Final Cut 10 users who are big into the Mac platform. Uh, we've also got a lot of colorists who are working on the Mac platform. And for a couple of years now, we've all been wondering, do we stay on a Mac? Do we move to Windows? What's Mac's commitment to the pro market? And so, Dan, I'll start with you. Having watched uh, the section of the presentation today on the MacBook Pro, what was your general reaction? So I guess my first thought was, uh, as a colorist and a user, nothing exciting. But then uh, as a business, you know, kind of with clients approving things on, my, on their MacBooks, I was actually quite excited. So it's a bit of a, you know, kind of dual-edged sword for me. That personally, I, I probably won't buy anything, but I know my clients will. And I'm just happy that they've got better screens with better color space now. Because uh, if you can't beat them, I guess I got to join them. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a good point, and I, I think that um, you know my initial gut feeling before we get into the particulars was that um, this was overall a good move by Apple. I mean, I think it's this undoubtedly it's a sexy machine, right? I mean, you look at these computers that Apple produces, whether we love them or we hate them, I, I think it's a beautiful, sexy looking machine. Uh, I thought the touch bar, which I'm sure we'll get into some detail in just a moment, uh, was actually way cooler than I was expecting it to be. Uh, and it seemed like from the various demos that they did, um, was even more functional. I mean, I bet you're only using two fingers on this little, uh, you know, this, this little tiny bar, right? Uh, I still, I still thought that was pretty cool. Um, my, but my overall feeling about the hardware was that, like Apple's caught up. Um, you know, with the rest of the industry, you know, and I got, I caught a lot of flack for this on some Facebook posts I've been doing this afternoon and people are like, Oh no, man, it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, but I had that Ram. I had, you know, NVMe SSDs that could do three gigabytes. I had, you know, all this stuff a year ago, right? Thunderbolt three, et cetera. Um, so, you know, to a certain degree, I think, um, I felt like happy for Apple that they had caught up, but overall I had felt that like Apple in, of my youth was always revolutionary and they were always, you know, bringing things, you know, heart, new hardware to market first and everybody was catching up. And it seemed like a strange flip of the coin that, uh, that Apple was now catching up themselves. I don't know. My, my, my initial reaction, Pat, what do you think? You know, it's, I was completely watching the presentation from the perspective of someone who has a five year old Mac pro is ready to update and I'm looking for tea leaves that tells me that Apple wants to support the kind of high-end, state-of-the-art, cutting-edge visual professional that they had traditionally supported in the first, you know, for the up, on, up until maybe the last five years or so. And I didn't see that. What I did see, though, was... A realization, and it's a reason why I quit my job at a facility back in 2000 and ended up going out on my own, because I understood one very fundamental fact. Computing power is going to catch up with the pixels we're pushing. It's just a matter of time between your phone can do everything that a desktop can do today, right? And 
So does it make sense for a company like Apple that's become such a wildly successful consumer company to make these high-end workstations when in the end, the only people actually using these high-end workstations are going to be people modeling like the birth of the universe, <laughs> right? Right, right. Yeah. It's just inevitable. And so at a certain point, I can't be upset at them for not giving me the kind of machine I need to do if I want to get into VR, the kind of equipment I, a machine I need to do if I want to do 4K, uncompressed, you know, open EXR. They're just, I'm just not their guy anymore. And that was my Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you on that. And I think that that is, I mean, that is the trend, right? I mean, that's obviously the trend. And let, let's, let's take pause for one second because there, there's one big elephant in the room that we didn't mention or we didn't mention right off the bat was that there was absolutely no mention of a new Mac Pro at all. In fact, if you go to the Apple website and take a look at, you know, the current offerings, nothing was updated behind the scenes, et cetera. So like literally the only big hardware thing besides the, you know, the Apple TV app they came out with uh, was the Mac Pro. And I think you're right. I mean, we were taking over-unders beforehand, right, Pat, when we were talking this morning about, you know, whether it's going to be a new Mac Pro or not. And I thought, no, before the very reasons that you just articulated, that uh, they just don't serve that market anymore. Here's the problem, though, is that there are so many people who over 30 years or whatever have bought into the Apple ecosystem for that very reason that they did used to serve the pro market. So I can understand the stance of a lot of people who feel uh, abandoned, who feel lost, who feel slighted, etc. But at the same time, I mean, you guys know that I made this decision to switch off the Mac platform for my professional needs, you know, a year or two ago, right? Because I saw the writing on the wall. I, I had no um, belief that Apple was going to produce this mythical machine that I wanted for, as you said, Pat, open EXR, you know, 8K workflows in VR or whatever, right? Like, it was just something that it's just something that they were never going to do. But I can't fight the feeling, and Dan, I don't know if you feel this way or not, I can't help fight the feeling that Apple sometimes has this, uh, this I don't know, they, they frame it as forward thinking. I think about it sometimes as arrogance that like everybody wants a certain type of machine. Like laptops are great. MacBook Pro is great. But like now I don't what if what happens when I want to sit at a desk, right? Like I have to be dongled to 400 freaking adapters to plug in like a USB drive. The greatest thing I saw, I don't know if you guys saw this. I think I sent it to you was you can't even plug in your iPhone 7 that was announced last month to this new laptop. Oh no. You have to use an adapter to be able to plug in your brand new iPhone to this laptop. Does that just seem like uh, just silly? I don't, I don't know, Dan, what do you think? I, I just can't even, like, okay. I, I was willing to accept like forward thinking when they said, oh, we're gonna get rid of the, uh, the headphone port in the phone. I thought, okay, that's cool. You know what, you're breaking ground again. It's nice to see something exciting. But it's hilarious to see that a phone they released, how long ago was that, like one month ago? Like, they knew that this was coming. Um, I, I guess I'm in, like, the same kind of boat as Pat as well. That um, I, I kind of in the same boat as both of you guys. For my work machine, I abandoned Apple probably, like, four years ago, I think. Uh, and I know a lot of people at Smoke and Mirrors did. They used to have, like, 30 Smoke on Macs, and they went over to HP. They went over to Linux. They changed everything and just and really got out of that ecosystem. But my home system is still totally old Mac Pro. I think I managed to boost it along with like a 680 card. Uh, what else did I do? You know, I've, I've managed to kind of limp along, but I think at this point I'm ready to uh, 
to join the the Windows Club, I guess. And that new Surface that they announced looks way more exciting than the uh, well, the Apple. Well, prospects. let's get that. Let's get to that. The Surface things. The Surface thing from Microsoft that was an announcement yesterday. Let's get to that in a second. But I mean, I feel like you know, and Apple has a history of doing this, right? Removing the CD drive or the DVD drive. Remember when they did that and everybody had you know panic attack? Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Or, right. Or <laughs> they removed you know the VGA port when every business user was like, oh, but we need VGA. Um, I just find it like it's kind of putting the cart before the horse when, you know, you have you can't connect your brand new iPhone to this laptop. Like, guess what? Those new fancy lightning headphones that they had, you know, they brought out can't connect those either. Like the expectation that people are just going to like totally disrupt their lifestyles because or their way that they work because Apple says so is a little disheartening to me. I mean, there's some things that have become standards and have been unchanged for so long because they work and they don't need change. I mean, are you telling me that a, you know, a three and a half millimeter headphone jack on this new laptop or even a lightning port, if they could, if they wanted to do that would have really disrupted the whole thing. I don't think so. And I just think that's, um, that's where I get to like the design arrogance that like, I think the pro market, you know, appreciates the sexiness of these new machines but, like, I'm done with thinner, lighter, more, you know, whatever, more shiny. I just, you know, you want – the certain market, to, you know, wants these uh, wants these things to be functional. And, Pat, I mean, it's disappointing as somebody like yourself and like me and like Dan who have been on the Mac platform for 30 years to see this kind of, like, finally materialize. And I think for a lot of people today – I mean, I don't know if you saw – you know, talked to other people about this. But, like, it kind of – it seemed to me like it kind of finally sunk in for a lot of people. It did. Now, I do want to point out that just because there was no mention of and a refresh of the Mac Pro doesn't mean there won't be. I found um, a press briefing from a couple days ago about what we might expect today. And they mentioned that – Today was the first mention of Mac hardware since March of 2015 on stage. All right. That was 18 months since an onstage mention of Mac hardware. And But they did ha- do some updates. They did a 2016 refresh of 4K and 5K um, iMacs done through press releases and through some review uh, articles. So... It doesn't mean that we're not going to see a refresh to that particular hardware platform. But, you know, when I saw on the presentation today, the emphasis, when they were talking MacBook Pro, they kept saying Pro, Pro, Pro. They pulled out Final Cut 10. They hooked up multiple displays. They had some control, you know, input surfaces hooked up to it, right? And they're like, look, we've got three displays going. We've got a RAID going. They were talking to Mac Pro users, is my belief. I think they were setting up that class of user. And I think as our computers and even our laptops get so amazingly fast, and you might argue that it's, you know, even this laptop it doesn't really quite step up to what you might get on a high-end Windows machine, still, the fact it could drive those screens, the fact that it can run Final Cut 10 while doing that, and it feels speedy, uh, goes to where they think that that market, that pro market is, and it's not us dedicated colorists, it's more like 
the editor who has to do some color correction maybe with a plug-in. It's the editor working at a corporate facility. They just, it's flow. They're not doing 4K. They're not doing, you know, uncompressed workflows. And they just, they got to turn the stuff out for web delivery. And for them, this may have been really good news. And it's like, no, we don't need an $8,000 Mac Pro. We can just buy this 2900 uh, MacBook MacBook Pro. The one thing I did find surprising is the lack of upgrade on the internal RAM. Uh, if you go to build build to order, there's 16 gigs of RAM and that's it. Well, so let's let, let's let's talk about some of these hardware things because you guys know that's where my um, you know, my geekiness really thrives, right? With all this hardware stuff, right? Yes, it does. All right. So, again, I think it's a little disingenuous. I agree with everything you said, Pat. It's really well said and well articulated that unfortunately, a lot of um, you know, dogmatic diehard folks uh, to the Apple ecosystem just choose to ignore and whatever and just have problems with. But that's why I said earlier when we first started talking that this was a catch-up thing to me because all of the major core components of this machine from a hardware perspective uh, are catch-up. They're getting onto equal footing where uh, PC equivalents were. I'll just start, uh, you know, the processors are the processors, right? Intel makes those, but like... Apple has clearly decided that even though Xeon uh, mobile processors are available, who needs those? We'll just stay with you know i5s, i7s. That's fine. That's what most most laptop companies do anyway for power consumption reasons. Totally get it. I thought the um, the the touting of the SSD speed was a little disingenuous. Uh, Phil Schiller a couple times was like, "Hey, this is the fastest SSD ever created for a laptop or whatever." Like that's just BS. Like the 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 NVMe SSDs for uh, for that this kind of thing have existed for over a year now. I even wrote about the Samsung 950 Pro in one of our uh, color correction gearhead articles. The nine um, excuse me, the 960 or 961 just came out. That's doing like three and a half gigabytes a second off of one of these things. So like that's commodity hardware, right? And then the same thing with the RAM. The, the 2300 mega or the 2133 megahertz RAM has existed. All of this stuff. So like they put it in a really nice package, right? But like I my, my main problem is just saying like the the what was that classic phrase the uh, the reality distortion field of Apple, right? That Steve Jobs used to have. Like that was just on such. Uh, uh, in such play today with this particular thing that I was just like, guys, this is, it's a cool machine. Like the, you know, the, the, even, I don't know how you guys felt about this and they've done it now twice. They did it at the iPhone event and now they've done it here. They just, you know, for, I understand why they do it, but like the, you know, I think they call it like cinema gamut or something like that. They're like, they're not really explaining what's going on with the, the extra gamut and they just make it sound like it's something that they created. You know, like it's something like, oh, we're Apple and we just came out with this. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that I just felt like they got to equal footing back where a lot of other machines like from Dell and HP, but they just did not revolutionize anything except for that input device. And I want to get what are your guys overall impressions of the of the the touch bar thing? I thought it was pretty darn it's very cool. (laughs) I have to admit, I would like one for my home life. Because uh, it was actually really great to see Resolve get a mention in there. I was pausing it trying to see, like, oh, what could I do with Resolve? Because it could be really cool for the guy that, you know, um, even on set, say, for example, you, you push a button and you've got a lift control and you move your finger left and right and you're controlling the black level. You push another, you know, finger, you're doing the gammas. I mean, that's that could be life-changing for certain people. And I, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I really don't. But I kind of hope that's what they're thinking. Um, and the Photoshop stuff was really cool as well. Like, they were just kind of showing that you could use two fingers 
I like the idea of actually using two hands to interact with things, which that could be it'd be great. Yeah, I I I had mixed reactions when I the when the initial demo of it that I saw, I was like, this is a gimmick, right? They're like using it to like I don't know raise volume or something like that, and I'm like, you know, why am I going? To, and I watched them as they were kind of hunched over the keyboard, staring at the thing. Is I'm like, that's I do I is that what I really want as a user interface element? Where I think it actually isn't a gimmick is more where it's contextual buttons that pop up so that rather than having to remember F9, 10, and 11 as insert, overwrite, you know, all of a sudden I've got it there and depending on what I'm doing, that insert button suddenly becomes add a node or add serial before. And it just, it changes depending on the context. I don't have to memorize it. A quick glance down, I know what it's doing. And after a while, I'll, I'll build up that muscle memory. So I'm huge with that. The, the whole thing about now you can use two fingers, it's like, right. So I go from a mouse that that's like the tip of one finger. And now I can literally use the tip of two fingers. What I'm really looking for is 10 finger action, right? That's why we have colors, control surfaces, things like that. So I get a little bit cynical when I was watching that. But I, I saw a lot of potential opportunity where it could really sing. And in which case, I'm like, give me a keyboard like that, right? Give me, it's like the base light surface, right? That has all those, those buttons. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, exactly. give yeah. me that and I will be, I will freaking sing your praises. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I thought that that was an important point, Pat, that like, to me, the first thing I thought of when I saw this was control surface for the masses, right? Like the power of tactile control. And Apple's, you know, Apple's run that, that uh, push that a lot with, you know, contextual gestures and the whole pinch thing and the three finger zoom and that kind of stuff. So this seems like the next evolution to me. And I, and I was excited actually by, I don't know if you guys saw the part of the demo where, you know, you have a, you know, you're customizing your toolbar and you literally drag a button and it goes from the screen down to, uh, down to the toolbar itself, which which I thought was pretty cool. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that eventually they could come out with keyboards that work this way, right? Uh, you know, their magic trackpad that kind of works this way. Um, I thought that was the coolest part. And it, you could tell that that's what they were really trying to, like, push. Because, I mean, like, literally an hour of the demo was about that, right? It wasn't, a, it wasn't about, like, oh, cool, check out these cool new Thunderbolt 3 ports, right? It was like, let's show you this revolutionary thing. So I think they succeeded uh, in, in that regard. But I want to ask you guys another question. Uh, and I know you took a look at this yesterday. Um, just to play fair, what did you feel about the Microsoft announcements from yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the reaction that everyone had. Again, because I'm a, I'm a Mac head and I knew this was coming out today, I tend not to really spend a lot of time worrying about what's happening on the Windows side. Uh, I largely discount it because for, you know, two generations now, the hype is always bigger than the delivery. Um, so I'm kind of relying on you and your impression, frankly, the impression of a lot of people like you, whose opinions I respect on this side of things, who are working in windows on a regular basis, who were really impressed by this. And so, you know, again, it, it makes it easier for me to kind of look at what happened today and say, yeah, it's time to stop waiting. It's time to start planning for my next rig. That's going to last me the next five or six years. And that rig is going to be a windows machine. Dan, gut reaction about uh, about Microsoft's stuff yesterday? I know you didn't have a chance to really dive deep on it, but just I'm sure you saw the the Surface Studio and stuff. Oh yeah, 
I, I think the prices on the Microsoft stuff looks really good as well. I mean, for if you had to choose between spending almost the same price on a laptop or um, a Surface Studio, uh, it, it just really seems like no competition. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's there's problems with the Microsoft hardware. I mean, so for, just for, for full transparency, I have a Surface Book, right, which is that kind of convertible laptop thing. I have the first generation of it. Uh, I also, my wife also has a Surface Pro, which is kind of like, you know, the tablet with the, you know, attachable keyboard kind of thing. Um, and, w- and when I saw this, I thought that it was, you know, the, them, um, you know, com- kind of completing the family. There were some problems that I had with the hardware in terms of like, really, like you guys didn't use USB-C and Thunderbolt 3, like all of these things that they could have used. But I don't want to compare the hardware per se, because that's not what it's about. To me, there's a clear... Uh, flip of the roles going on here where Microsoft is positioning these tools that they're they're creating right the ones that they have control over the hardware and the software they're can they're positioning them as tools for creatives right and and they're coming out I don't know if you saw the Microsoft puck thing right which is like the little dial control where you like you could use Photoshop to like choose color palettes and all sorts of stuff like I encourage you to take a look at yeah, I encourage you to take a look at it because, like, it's like who does that sound like, right? Who does it sound like is making innovative tools for creative purposes? That used to be Apple, and I just think that Apple is now stuck in this range, which I think they made clear a decade ago when Jobs introduced the freaking you know iPod. That I think largely Apple's positioning themselves as a consumption company, right? Uh, and positioning themselves as a consumption company is not a bad thing to do, as Pat alluded to earlier, because more people consume than more people than than create, right? But I just thought it was really interesting that Microsoft, even if it's not a perfect machine or it's you know it's weird, it was a sexy design machine, had a lot of really cool functionality with the tilt and the pen and the dial and all that kind of stuff. But the marketing about it of positioning it as something for creatives was like it harkened me back to like you know the good old days of apple when it was just like we're creating stuff so you can create where i feel like the whole apple ecosystem now is just like dude look here's some great ways you can consume Uh, i think in the world now pretty much everyone is creative if you think about um i can record better music in my bedroom than i did when i was in a band you know eight years ago uh people design t-shirts and they sell them on ebay you know like people are every person kind of goes i can do that now I think Microsoft seems to be in the strongest position that you you kind of have this great tool that you can design on, you can draw directly on the screen, you can edit. I think it's it's like a, it's really raised the bar. I think, and Apple are either going to have to go, we're on phones now, or we they you know come back with a massive kind of counter, like the next you know iMac is going to look like a Surface. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there's a difference in philosophies clearly about the way that people interact with machines. I think that Apple takes the approach that it's all it is all fingers right in front of you and the positioning of the machine makes sense. I mean, I think Steve Jobs a couple of years or you know, a decade ago or whatever said, you know, this high kind of whole reaching out and touching the screen in front of you thing that's sitting on a desk doesn't make sense, right? Uh, and Microsoft is clearly, you know, taking on the pen approach, the the touch approach, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I just think that the overwhelming thing to me is that this, the roles of these two companies are seemingly flip-flopped right now. And I will leave you with one last thought about my overall impressions with all of this. Is that I spend a lot of time looking at Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and all of these things. And I, I, I don't know if it's just that like, I'm just tired of it. But like 
it's the the Mac Pro user base to me has almost become delusional. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, what's the, you know, when you're, when you're an addict to something, what's the first thing that happens, right? You deny that you're an addict, right? And, and it just seems to me that like, I get it. I, I mean, I've been using a Mac since like an Apple II, you know, like I get the, 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 the allegiance, the loyalty to the OS and the ecosystem and think different and all that kind of stuff. But it's gotten to a point for pro content creators like ourselves, colorists, uh, you know, people doing VR, all of this kind of stuff. Like, they just need to stop telling themselves lies. Like, this company is not going to produce the things on the level that they necessarily want. And I would also, I would, the last thing I'll say about this is that I answered several things today. I was just flabbergasted. The people were making comments about Windows that were based in, you know, based on Windows in, uh, you know, 2001, 2002, right? You know, like, I just think it's, uh, if, if it's, it's, it's almost like arrogance or it's almost like, you know, um, uh, like being biased that like, you know, you're not going to give it a chance. It might not be as good as the Mac for some things. It might not be, it might be better. Um, but that's the attitude that I'm just, I'm getting frustrated with a lot that people are just like, you know, it's that, that quick retort all the time. Oh yeah. But the OS, right? Like I don't have all of the problems that people advertise the windows OS having. I can't except for one, except for one thing on the PC, I can do everything that I can do on my windows machine as I can on my Mac. And it's just something that I've gotten so used to. And that's using messages. Like that's literally the only thing that really bothers me about working on a Windows machine is that messages app that I can just like text message people from my computer, right? And inter and interact with you know uh, I message people, but like all the other stuff, like it's easy. I mean, I posted something last night on Facebook about um you know how you got you guys probably use Quick Look a lot on the Mac, right? Where you uh, press the space bar and like bring up you know uh, uh you know a quick view of something, um like. There's utilities to do that on, on the PC. Now, granted, there are, like, add-ins, but, like, the stuff is there. I just feel like a lot of, of the Mac diehard user base, just for, like, for stubbornness reasons, is just not willing to invest the time to try something that's a little different or not do the research to figure out all of the, the things that can fulfill their needs. Yeah, I'm, I, there's nothing you just said that I disagree with. And so to kind of wrap up my take on all of this, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think as, you know, from the perspective of someone who uh, is a member in Mixing Light, uh, who's a professional video uh, post-production person, I think you look at Apple's actions, how does stuff die under Apple? It gets incremental updates less and less over a longer period of time until finally it just quietly disappears. And... If you consider that the Mac Pro is designed for the more bleeding edge of the people in our craft doing what we do, uh, the fact that there's almost nothing going on with it, it feels to me like Apple Color did after it went to 1.5. And then for a year and a half or two years, you heard nothing about it. And then finally, they officially EOD'd it and or EOL'd it. And 
I just feel like this is that's what's going to happen with the Mac Pro. Even if I'm proven wrong, I think the presentation today, I think it shows that they feel like the computers have caught up with video technology and that 80% of the, the editors out there, 80% of the people who do color correction out there will be happy with this. If you're running Final Cut 10, you know, something like this laptop will be your machine. You'll take it home at night and then you'll come in, you'll plug in your various interfaces and now you'll have your three screen experience with your rated SAN um, and your control surface and you'll be happy as a pig. And, um, and, and that's, that I think is where they're going. And if that, if that's for you, that's awesome. You've got a great little sexy machine, $3,000 to invest in a professional bit of kit that generates income for you is nothing. It is a great investment, especially if you can eke a couple of years out of it. And I think you can out of something like this. Um, but I think, you know, for guys like the three of us who have our eyes set a little higher in terms of just like the, the pure pixels we got to crunch, the notion of VR and things like that, where that we think we might want to get into that, that our industry is going into. Uh, for me, I think today's event pretty much confirmed where Apple ultimately is going. Like you said, it's a consumption company. I, I completely agree with that. That has creative tools. But in the end, it's about getting what's on your iPhone up onto your Apple TV, onto your laptop, right? The, you know, the multi-screen experience that way, right? They're way more concerned with that. I also think I'm a little concerned about the fact that, yeah, here's this company that talks about how the synergy between all their hardware components and, you know, this little thing about the iPhone 7 that I just ordered that isn't coming in till next month won't be able to talk to, directly plug into the laptop that they just released suggests you still have this kind of insulation internally in Apple. Um, so if it's happening between their hardware divisions, it's probably happening between Final Cut 10 and their hardware divisions. You know, so there are probably things that could happen that aren't uh, because of their kind of their, their insular approach to stuff, which I find a little um, confusing is what I find it a little confusing. I, I, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. And I'll, I'll just wrap my, my side of it saying that I just think it's telling that they focus solely on this one machine. I hope that there is future discussion, as you mentioned, when we first started talking about this of, you know, not, this is not saying that this is the end all be all right. Apple marketing is, you know, notorious for doing a hundred events a year or whatever. Right. You know, they could have a dedicated iMac event. They could have a dedicated Mac pro event. Um, I just think that they are changing their ecosystem, uh, and that I just don't. I just don't want people to expect too much out of them when it comes to the things that we, as you know, as you put it, higher end users want. And you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting, and I don't know if you guys uh, agree with this, and we can save this for another episode of the mailbag. But one thing that was telling to me today was that there was a moment in time where they showed that, you know, the Mac uh, MacBook Pro on the table with, by the way, did you see the, like, e like the red epic or whatever on the table with yeah, it, right? Yeah, that was so <laughs> funny. Um, you know, there was a moment in time where they, they're doing this demo and they go, hey, we've partnered with LG to develop this display. And part of me goes, oh, Apple, that's really smart, Right. That they can continue to be the consumption company, consumer electronics company that they have, but license or lend or whatever it may be, 
to these other companies that are developing stuff that maybe the pros really want. So I don't know how you put it, inspired by, co-developed by, you know, whatever. And I could see a time going back to where Apple was 20 years ago, where maybe we have something like Mac clones eventually, right? These are commodity PC hardware that, you know, that are running, you know, awesome things that are running Mac OS. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I highly doubt it. But that LG comment was really interesting to me about partnership, letting things out of their, you know, out of their grasp. Um, and, you know, so I agree, Pat. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. But we've we've mused on this for quite some time. Um, but it's it's good. And I think this is a discussion that a lot of people are thinking about. I mean, I'm just looking at Facebook right now where, you know, dozens of my you know friends or whatever are talking about this. So. Uh, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, uh, please do that, of course, in our comments. So, for theoldmixinglight.com, I'm Robbie Carmen. I'm Dan Moran. And I'm Patrick Inhofer, and we'll see you in the next mailbag. Mailbag.